Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the You Matter to Christ podcast. I'm Chad Burmeister, your host, and I'm here with Kamali Matthews out of Kentucky today. He's getting ready to go fishing this afternoon, so we're very excited to have him here. Kamali is an ex-professional athlete, XFL, and just has a lot of neat background experience. He also has two children, ages one and three right now, so I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit about that today as well. So, Kamali, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mr. Chad. Well, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here today. A lot of people listen to this show and hearing other people's stories and the things that they go through and where they experience and build a relationship with God, I think is just important for other people. So I love to ask the first question to help our audience get to know you. And that's kind of rewinding the tape of life and going back to age five, six, seven. Where were you living at the time? What was your thing? Like, what was your passion when you were a younger kid? Well, first off, we lived in a rough, rough area in Georgia, right outside of Atlanta on the east outskirts of Atlanta, that DeKalb County, Decatur area. It was a lot of drug violence, gang violence, and just the things you don't want to see anybody go through. So as an early age, it's always been just trying to get somewhere. So my hobby was like definitely in the sports, anything that could get me out of me, my mother and my brother out of the situation that we were in as far as just how we were living, not knowing where food was coming from. So I think I was eight years old when I said I wanted to go to the NFL. And so me being eight years old and saying that it wasn't just because I was looking at everybody on the TV and saying, oh, I want to be like that guy. It was really because I knew, like, I wanted to get us out of a situation and I didn't want to do it how everybody else was doing it. And so to fast forward the tape, thankfully enough, I touched it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I have a friend of mine that says Gerhard Schwatner is with Selling Power magazine. And he always says, and I'm sure he quotes someone else on this, the bigger the why, the bigger the try. So when you've got a why, man, it can really give you the motivation that you need to do whatever you want in life. Definitely. It was definitely the why was just getting us out of the situation we were in. Like I said, not knowing what to eat one day, just having rice every night for dinner, just rice. Every once in a while, we'll get those packets of noodles and be happy about that. But it was a harder 
time growing up back then. And I think just seeing that at such a young age gave me a different type of motivation to move forward. So thinking about then you obviously 8, 10, 12, then at some point you get into high school and ultimately college. Is there a connection between your young childhood and what you ended up doing? Obviously, you stayed with sports. <laughs> what kind of was that thread between your younger childhood and what you ended up doing in high school and college? Mm, so, honestly, like I said, I did have that dream of wanting to go to the NFL. I actually ended up doing that. So, going into high school, what threaded it all together um, would actually, I mean, I still had the same motivation. It was still rough for us until like I graduated high school and went to college. And so it's still it was the same motivational factors. It was the same drive, the same energy that I had since I was a young kid, just going all out in everything that I was doing. And what threaded it together is the interest that I was getting from middle school to high school. So finally getting into high school and grabbing that interest in the media and oh, this kid's a great athlete. And then it really hit me like, this could be a thing. Like, I could really do something with this. And then when I started getting college scholarships, everything started looking up once again. And then me being the knucklehead that I was, I lost all of those scholarships. So we're talking about SEC schools, University of Alabama, Georgia, and whatnot, and hanging out with the wrong crowd, the wrong people. I lost every single scholarship that I had and had to go to the junior college route. I wanted to give up because it was just like I had all of these scholarships and you could hear the outside voices of, well, dang, he used to be this. He used to be that. And it started taking effect on my brain a little bit, like on my mental. And I mean, I something just kept pushing me. I know it was God. He just kept pushing and, and kept pushing. And so I went through junior college, ended up not even playing in junior college, ended up getting a scholarship to Murray State University from that junior college, even though I didn't play. And then from Murray State University, ended up getting a shot with the Seattle Seahawks right after I graduated from Murray State University. So, I mean, that's really what threaded it all together was that dream that I had from a little kid just kept that same motivation and it just kept going. I really think God threaded that one. Well, and I can see the smile on your face and the twinkle in your eye that even though the tough times come, it sounds like that's where you discovered Jesus loves you <laughs> and, and that there's a bigger purpose in life. Is there something in there, like when your back's against a wall and you're like, man, I could have, should have, would have, what, what was mm. it? Was there somebody that talked to you? Was there a series of events? Like what happened in the Valley for you? Really, honestly, I didn't have a lot of motivating factors, um, like just role models and everything like that. I had my mother, which she worked hard. She had four jobs at the time. And I mean, I never really got to see her as much. And I spent a lot of time with my uncle, who was a bad influence. But that talk that came for me didn't come until college. Before then, it was a lot of talks with myself and actually noticing the situation that other people were in. And even in high school, it was kind of like you start seeing some of your friends into different activities and they're getting locked up or Lord, God forbid, they pass away because of something that they were doing the wrong way. So I think all of that kind of motivated me to not be part of that crowd, especially after losing my scholarships. So that talk for me came in college and it was my coach. And my coach said, 
You can either sit here and mope about how your situation used to be and how things used to be, or you can be that man, that black sheep of your family, and create a whole nother spark for your generation. Not his exact words, but just creating a whole nother spark to start off your generational wealth different from what your family did. So you can sit here and say, dang, I wish, I wish, I wish, I should have, could have, would have, should have. But when you're in that moment, you got to do something now to make sure that you don't have those should have, would have, could have moments. And yeah, that's all didn't come with me to Murray State University. <laughs> wow. A friend of mine, his name's John Guiden, and he played for CU Buffs. And he's a motivational speaker these days. And one of the things he says, he'll have whole audiences of 500 people do this. And he'll go, okay, you guys remember, he'll say the Flintstones. And he'll go, okay, remember Yabba Dabba Doo? And so mm. have the audience go, okay, everybody, I want you to say, yeah, but, yeah, but, I lost my scholarship. Yeah, but, this, yeah, but, that. And he goes, okay, now everybody say, yeah, but, yeah, but, do, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but. And then just, you have to put one foot in front of the other and do something as hard as it is. And just keeping the wheels in motion sometimes is what it takes. Tell me about, so obviously the scholarships went away. What does your faith walk look like? Did you pray throughout that time or how was God working for you in the background? So God never stops working. He's always working. Sometimes you won't understand the reason why. But honestly, my faith was a roller coaster ride. Just me being honest, like I'm an honest guy. I'm a straight shooter. Like I wasn't the most faithful of guys until I was hit with a situation to where it was very traumatic and life-changing. And that was just being in Georgia, being with the wrong crowd, and I ended up getting stabbed. And just knowing how close or how short life really is, and just looking in that moment and saying like, dang, why am I still here? And others aren't. When you really find time to sit down and just talk with yourself, talk with God, you really find out that you're the reason I'm here. God's the reason I'm here. It's all him. And my faith was not the best. <laughs> it was not the best. And I just needed guidance that I didn't have. And I didn't end up finding that guidance until later on. And when I found it, I mean, it clicked. And it was just like, no matter what, there's always somebody going through something worse. So you don't have time to sit here and complain about what you're going through. You got to make the best of what you have. Yeah. I talked to another guy on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he's a chapter in a book called 20 Beautiful Men. And it's mm. about his faith. And his mom also similarly was a big role model for him, but just a tough upbringing to where at one point she jumped off a building six stories and lived. It was just powerful chapter of the book that I read. And then he was stabbed on the front porch of his house with one of the neighborhood kids in high school and had dreams. But it took that to wake up and say, okay, wait a second, there's more to it. He's now forgiven the guy who stabbed them because he knew him from the neighborhood. And like the hardest thing that you could ever possibly do, right? Someone who was almost going to take your life and yet he's forgiven the guy. Did you know the guy or? Yeah, I did. And to be 100% true with you, like I said, I'm a straight shooter. It was my brother. Okay. So it took some time to forgive. But once I forgave, I could feel a weight 
a burden just being lifted off of me. And it was like a whole woosah moment all in one when I actually not just said I forgive because you can say it and you don't really feel it or mean it. When I actually went through the whole spiritual movement of forgiving and I like, I mean, I felt it. I felt it. It was no more worries. There was nothing. I mean, there's nothing my brother can do wrong right now at this point. Like, I mean, it's, I forgave him and we don't even talk about it. Let's just move forward on what we have to do. So, I mean, a salute to that guy too, man. Cause I, man, just looking back on that whole journey, it was tough. It was tough, Chad. Like, oh man, it was times I'd break down and just, I mean, sobbing, tearing, like mm. the ugliest, like, I mean, it was bad. It's, but- it's like remorse, right? I mean, it's anger, it's sadness. It's, you got to go through all those emotions that are, Textbook emotions that you yeah. have to go through, but not everyone yeah, goes so through the forgiveness stage. And you felt it, like washed by the blood of Jesus. I mean, that's what it's all about. Wow. Yeah, and like you said, all those emotions run together, and you can't even name the emotion. It's just it's all in one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Salute to anyone who I mean, just to anyone who's ever been through a traumatic situation and lived to tell it and actually changed for the better. Like it's tough. It's hard. Well, I had a woman on the podcast a year and a half ago. She had always had the desire to go to the Ohio State University. They have to put the in front of it because it's so important, right? Like in the world or something. Yeah, the it's like the the Kamal Matthews. But I always wanted to go there. Her dad was a professor there. She gets into the program. And she's attacked, raped in college. And so I mm. asked her, when did God undeniably show up for you in your life? And she's like, well, remember about that attack that I told you about in that moment? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, when I was looking out the window and it was raining, I could see Jesus weeping for me. And then I knew everything was going to be okay. And so mm. a lot of people say, oh, yeah, God hit you at the two by four. And she goes, no, hang on. Let me correct the record. When you get hit with the two by four, God's there to pick you up. So Mm. it seems like when you're stabbed by your own flesh, your own brother, and you're going through those tough times and moments, where did God show up for you and how? Sometimes people hear him talk. Sometimes it's through other people. Like, what did you see when it comes to God showing up for you? While it was happening. I mean, I was being stabbed at the time. Like, I mean, it's tough to talk about, but just being stabbed at the time. And as many times as I was jabbed in the ribs, the neck, the head and everything, I was only stabbed twice. And it happened in my arm. All the other times, the knife had closed on his thumb. So he was cutting into his thumb while he was stabbing. I... I know, and people think I'm crazy when I say this. I know I heard something say, and I thought it was him at the time. I thought it was my brother. I know I heard somebody say, your time is not done. Like, I heard it. You're not done. I mean, my life was flashing before my eyes because at this point, I'm thinking I'm gone. I'm gone. I know I'm gone. My wife is not going to see me. My daughters aren't going to see me. I know I'm gone. And I just, I heard it. And when I heard it, I looked at him. I could see his face and I just started crying. And somehow, some way, I was able to hold his hands down and grab the knife away from him and run away. 
And so it was like, I swear it was from him, but he said it wasn't from him. So, I mean, I know it was. Wow, that is such a Holy Spirit moment. Yeah, amazing. Just to hear the words, you're not done. Hmm. There's a friend of mine that came to an event that we put on a year ago, and he got to a point where it was over for him. He lost his wife and child, like Mm. just as hard as it can get. And so he has the gun. He's ready to just end it. And he prayed. And he's like, I was arguing with God at the same time. And he's like, God, if, if you're real, show up. He pulled the trigger three times and it jammed every time. And he said, Chad, this was 10 or 12 years ago. He goes, to this day, that gun still sits by my bed. It never jams. Never, never, ever, ever jams. Didn't before, didn't after. But it jammed three times in a row that day. And so just like you're saying, and he heard a voice, what he heard was in his sons, who would have been a two-year-old at the time or a one-year-old, he heard it in his son's teenage voice. And, mm. and now the son's a teenager, right? I think he had two or three kids. And so one of the kids had passed. And so then this is his current kid who's now a teenager. And he heard his kid say, dad. And it, <laughs> so, wow, that is really amazing. I don't even know whose voice. So I can't even explain the voice. It was just so, like you knew you had to believe it though, like when you heard it. And it was just, you're not done. Hmm. And you believed it. From the minute I heard it, I believed it. That's special. That's, that's special. That's special. Yeah. His voice, that's special. So talk to me a little bit about praying. We have a table prayer that we always say that's kind of a canned table prayer. Other families pray. They pray differently every time. What's your strategy, if you will, around prayer? <laughs> Just like we're going through at the time, uh, me and my wife have a uh, book that we use daily. It's for marriage couples. So it has 365 different days in there for every day of the year. And it goes through something different every single day. And at the end, it'll have a little prayer. Mm. And so we usually do that prayer and lead off of that. So it's a different prayer almost every time. But nine times out of 10, it'll be what we're going through at a time. But the one thing that we always say that will never, I don't think will ever change, is cover us and always give us the strength to keep moving forward because sometimes things do get hard. I mean, it did get hard. And so being married seven years is, I feel like is an accomplishment. Anybody who's married past three years, it's an accomplishment too, because I mean, the numbers are really messed up now. So, I mean, that, that one thing we always ask is to cover us in the blood of Jesus with your wisdom, your strength and your power, and then just give us and move us in the right direction and let us know that we're doing everything that you ask. It's amazing when you hand over the reins and say, God, your will be done. Cover us. Even this cruise trip that was canceled, right? It's like $15,000 European trip. So we're on the flight. It's some six and a half hours on the tarmac. And then it's we go get stuck in New York City for four days. We made the best of it. We went to Back to the Future and some other cool stuff. But then you get home and it's like, all right, God, why did this happen? Is there going to be an accident in Europe and we don't know about? What did we just avoid? And we get home and the garage door is wide open. So that was strange because we had a cat sitter. And so there's bears in our neighborhood. And we're like, okay, got it. So you helped us close the garage. Cool. And then the air conditioner went out. And it was about the same cost of the trip to Europe. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. 
like dollar for dollar. Hey, we're going to send you to New York. You're going to have fun with your kids for four days. You're going to get fully refunded. And then I'll bet you anything. Here's your free cruise ship that happens as a result of all the pain and suffering that you went through. And it's like when you pay attention to the signs in life and you pray about it, your will be done and you go all in on his will, not ours. That's when he says, tempt me on this, which is a bad translation. It's really prove me on this and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven. Mm. And that's what I feel like even when you're in the down times and you're like, your cruise gets canceled and you're like, God, I'm trusting that your floodgates of heaven are way better than the plan that I had for that trip. (laughs) Man, everything happens for a reason. Yes. As I hear the birds chirping in the background. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's perfect timing. Well, final thought. If you were to share one other thing to somebody who's, I guess, 42% of people in America are considered, there's a term for it, spiritually skeptical. So they're open to it, but they're just not convinced. Mm. What would you tell them? Because if you rewind the tape to the time where you were just spiritually skeptical, what would you need to hear that would cause you to say, hmm, and at least open your eyes to the fact that you can have a relationship with God? Mm. So there was a story. This reminds me of a story. It's one of my favorite stories. It's about a uh, bamboo tree. It's a certain type of bamboo tree that grows in uh, East Asia. And this tree, you plant this seed. And when you plant this seed, you have to nurture it for five years before it grows. So you can't miss a day of watering. You can't miss a day of cultivation. You can't miss anything for five years until that tree actually sprouts. Well, when that tree actually sprouts five years later, it's the tallest bamboo tree known to man. So the thing is, was it the five years of work that it took to sprout this tree or was it already going to grow anyways? And so I kind of really look at the situation like, you know, everything that you're going through, everything that you have been through, whether it's a bad situation, good situation or not, there's someone out there looking over you and protecting you every single time, especially if you've been through multiple traumatic situations. Like there's someone there caring for you. There's someone that you just can't explain. Like, how did this happen? How did that happen? How did this happen? That's it. If you can't explain what's going on, you can't explain why it's happening. You're going through a bad situation. Why am I not able to do this? Why am I not able to do that? Like he's there. He's controlling the situation. And as unjust and unfair as it may seem, he is strategically planning right now in your life. Strategically planning, just like that bamboo tree, man. You took five years and not knowing if that thing was going to sprout or not. But you spent five years of your life nurturing this one seed, just like how God spends all of his time nurturing us. And then one day we sprout. And when we do, the sky's the limit. Well, Kamali Matthews, it's been amazing getting to know you today. Thank you so much for sharing your testimony from five, six years old in a tough situation when you must have felt like the bamboo tree, right? Hey, I'm not going anywhere. What's going on? But you had the why and God was there for you the whole time and you just didn't know it. (laughs) That's an amazing (laughs) story. So I will appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Chad. All right, everybody, thanks for joining another You Matter to Christ podcast. And remember, you matter to Christ.
thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.